Guten Tag alle! And that is all the German you are getting from me. Welcome to the list. As always, my name is Brett, and on the other end of the tin cannon string is Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing today? Well, that is more German that you're going to get from me tonight. I know zero German. Um, but I'm doing well. I'm excited for this weekend. I'm excited for this episode, as always, uh, to make some picks. Um, and I'm excited to see how we look Sunday morning. Yeah, me too. And for those who don't know, the Dolphins are going to be playing in Frankfurt, Germany, but more on that later. And of course, as always, producing is Mike Kosicki's number one fan, Zach Jackson. Uh, Jordan, we have a couple things to talk about that didn't happen. Uh, well, that's happened since we uh, last recorded, actually, stuff that happened after a lot of us went to bed yesterday. I think the big news, and this is something to uh, give a little plug to you, you wrote an article about on the listpodcast.com. The first coaching sp- uh, fire to ha- to happen has ha- happened, and it is Josh McDaniels being fired by Las Ve- the Las Vegas Raiders. I do not believe we talked about him as an option a couple weeks ago when we did coaches on the hot seat, but it feels like everything's just fallen off for the Raiders uh, since then. Yeah, I think like you uh, said so eloquently, um, Josh McDaniels let go. Um, it's very, very similar to what happened with him the last time around as a head coach. Um, it feels like it was kind of not going so great and then fell off the rails really quickly. Um, did you happen to see the story that came out about the way, um, the rumored way that Josh McDaniels was fired? I did not, but I'm hoping it's similar to Lane Kiffin getting fired by uh, USC where he got fired on the runway of the airport. Uh, I think it might actually be a little better. So let me read it. Uh, to you here. Um, it, it's from Tom Hurden, Tom Hearden. Um, he has 18,500 followers um, on X. So uh, hopefully this is true. Uh, it has 5.1 million views at the time I'm reading it to you. Um, so we'll see. Um, so Mr. Hurden wrote, uh, apparently the last straw was by McDaniels who is well-known around league circles as a guy who goes all out for Halloween, came to the Raiders facility dressed as Mark Davis following or, or the day after losing to the Lions on Monday Night Football. Davis seemed to take it in stride at first. He appeared to laugh and even ordered his now trademark P.F. Chang's lunch delivered to Coach McDaniel to clean the look or to complete the look. So he was ordering the lunch, I guess he orders every day, to coach to have him complete the look of dressing up as Mark Davis, the owner, for um, Halloween. So, after the two had eaten lunch together, owner Mark Davis suggests that jo- uh, Josh McDaniels reads his fortune cookie. When Josh McDaniels opens his fortune cookie, it read, You're fired, hot shot. And that was according to multiple people who viewed the fortune cookie themselves. I really wish that that's true because that is I'm not a fan of Mark Davis for various reasons, but that is actually a boss move. And ever since McDaniels pulled what he did with the Colts a couple years ago, I've never been a fan of him. I'm surprised the Raiders even hired him. Uh, Just for those who don't know, he backed out of the Colts job and even his agent dropped him because he said it's not the right way to do business. But uh, that's pretty funny. I really hope it is true. Yeah, I guess. But um, either way, I mean, it was a disaster from the beginning. Um, I don't think he's the last coach that's going to get fired this season, but um, he certainly made noises the first. Yeah, 
And I also think just to go with that is I think the Raiders were fooled by their playoff, getting to the playoffs two years ago uh, under their interim coach, the special teams coordinator. I think his last name was Brachia or Brachia. Um, team was very upset that they didn't keep him. McDaniels is already known as a guy who's his way or the highway. Um, but like we've talked about before, people think they're closer than they are when you get a fluke playoff berth. They traded for Devontae Adams. They got rid of Derek Carr in favor of Jimmy G. It just felt like they they thought they were closer than they were. And McDaniel's is we talked about on you talked about it on Monday. Uh, the culture th- the culture different teams need and trying to do that Patriot way just isn't the right way to do it for a team like the Raiders. Yeah, and I think that that's something you're going to have to look at a lot um, when you look at who they're going to name next. Uh, if I struggle to see the Raiders. I mean, I struggle to see Mark Davis going after a young coordinator. Um, I know somebody today was mentioning Ben Johnson. Um, I think Ben Johnson, there are going to be different jobs that open up. There are going to be better fits for him. Um, I think if I was ranking the candidates um, going into this offseason on who uh, I would hire as a head coach, Ben Johnson would probably be one or two on that list. Um, but when I'm looking specifically at the Raiders' job, um, he's not a guy that makes sense. I think you got to look at older candidates – I mean, you got to look at candidates that have been head coaches before. Um, and you have to look at coaches, I think, that have a uh, some sort of connection to the Raiders. Um, so the name I the names I threw out there in the article that I wrote, which you can see on listpodcast.com, um, Jim Harbaugh, um, I think is going to be the first Mark Davis call. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he was the first Mark Davis call last go-around before they hired Josh McDaniels. Um, I think, and you can speak more to this, about the possibility of Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan. Um, but I think that that's an option that makes a little bit of sense for both parties. Um, I have Jack Del Rio, um, former Vegas coach, and I know uh, right now his commander's defenses aren't playing that well, um, and commander's fans would probably like to see um, some new-blooded defensive coordinator. But I think bringing in an older coach um, who will command respect uh, is a move that the Raiders might look at. Um, You saw them try at least to do that with John Gruden. Um, and I think that's kind of the Raider way. I think they're going to bring in a coach um, that speaks to the Raider way and brings some sort of toughness. I'm um, going along that. I mean, the other three names I have, our Frank Smith, uh, Dan Quinn, and Lou Anarumo. Um, I think all three of them you can kind of put in a nutshell. that They are fiery, passionate coaches um, that have strong backgrounds um, and will bring physical football to Vegas. Um, and I think that's what you need to look for in a coach that the Raiders are going to bring in. I think they're going to try to find a way to get back to physical smash mouth football. Um, and especially being in Las Vegas um, with everything surrounding there and everything that's gone on with the team over the last couple of years. Um, I think you need to bring in a guy that's going to bring a little bit of discipline to the program. Yeah. Harbaugh is a good shout in terms of what they would like. He is, he, he screams Raiders. He's brash. Um, he loves smash mouth. He's a quarterback, but he lo- his he goes by the philosophy, you need a tight end and you need a fullback. So he's very different in his approach. And I think the Raiders would like that. Um, rumors right now, because so much inaccuracies are coming out of the st- sign-stealing investigations to Michigan, so I'm not really going to touch on that. But the most recent rumors from Michigan are that Harbaugh will sign an extension in, within the next week. Don't know if that will happen, but the extension's back on the table. I think the issue more for the Raiders is they don't have the money for Harbaugh, especially after Gruden and McDaniels, who they gave fairly big contracts to. Um, 
Anarumo's an interesting shout. Another one is the other coordinator in Cincinnati, and that'd be the offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, who was the Raiders quarterback coach before becoming the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. But he also has the uh, connection because his dad, Bill Callahan, was the head coach of the Raiders when they made the Super Bowl um, and also was, who also was the uh, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach under John Gruden during his first term. So it is going to be interesting to see how that goes. But uh, some interesting names out there. But I do agree with the type of coach the Raiders should be looking for. And we will get more into Michigan a little later because there is something that happened yesterday that involves Michigan that I would like to talk about. Um, but we're going to go into our picks. And uh, Mr. S sent me the picks last week. Uh, Jordan, the college picks came down to our wild card. But for the I think for the first time this year, one of us went perfect in college. And it was me. It came down to the wild card uh, pick of Troy. So. That puts, if I'm looking at our records now, if uh, Mr. S did the math right, we are actually tied in college uh, with records of 25 and 15 each. Wow. Nice comeback you made there. Yeah, it was a nice comeback. Uh, But once again, I ran into a situation looking at these games, just trying to find interesting games to pick. But uh, I came up with a couple that I think we can look at. I also was told to just mention that Mr. S made a comeback too. He went four and two after laying a goose egg week one. So shout out to Mr. S. Um, But Jordan, did you also see looking at the schedule that this is probably the third straight week where it's just tough to find five matchups that are worth talking about? Yeah. And I think there are going to be some upsets as you go into the next couple of weeks. Um, But teams are, are beginning to tune up for rivalry week. And I think that's kind of what you see going on here. Um, so, yeah, I think that this week uh, with our picks is going to be a little bit of chalk. So we could probably fly through them relatively quickly. Um, or at least I think our picks from looking at these games are going to be very similar. Um, mm-hmm. But their rivalry week always brings out um, the best in teams. And so we'll see what happens. Yep. So uh, the one thing the first two games are going to be are Big 12 heavy. And the first game I picked for us to look at is uh, Kansas State-Texas. Looking at Kansas State, they're always tough. They usually upset a team every year. Usually it's Oklahoma. Not happening this year. Uh, They are exactly what they've been since as long as I can remember. uh, An an option offense. Will Howard has 14 touchdowns, 7 interceptions as passing, but he has 6 rushing touchdowns. They have 23 rushing touchdowns on the year. I believe DJ Giddens, their running back, has seven. They um and they've been score having some high scoring games recently. Uh Texas, on the other hand, also has been blowing teams out aside from the Houston uh game a couple weeks ago. They just destroyed BYU last weekend. Uh this is an important game for Texas because if I looked at the standings right because for those who don't know, the Big 12 is a round-robin schedule to get into the uh, – or round-robin uh, standings to get into the uh, Big 12 championship game. And as of right now, Texas is fourth in the standings. Now, they do control their own destinies, uh, but this is a must-win for them because they lose. They're more than likely out of the Big 12 title picture, and this is their last year in the Big 12. Kansas State's a tough opponent. 
Smash Mouth, like I said, they are known for just upsetting teams uh, like Oklahoma, namely Oklahoma. But I just don't think they have the style to match with Texas. Uh, unlike teams like Oklahoma, Texas can be physical. So I have Kansas, I have um, Texas winning this matchup because uh, I just don't think Kansas State can keep up with them. I don't think Kansas State's going to keep up with them. I think Texas is going to win the game. Um, and I think that Texas um, sees an opportunity when the playoff rankings came out. They're, they're not out of it. Um, and I think you look at that loss to Oklahoma um, and, and you really um, hang your head because you could be undefeated right now with a win at Alabama. Um, but I think Texas sees an opportunity uh, to continue to make noise and make a run towards a Big 12 title game um, and towards a possible playoff. Because I do think, and I'm not picking ahead, but um, when we get to the Big 12 championship game, I, I'm probably going to pick Texas to beat Oklahoma. Um, I think they redeem themselves. I think it's very tough to beat an opponent twice. Um, and I think that that starts here, um, Texas by probably two or three scores. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet. I think it's going to be a close first half. But I think Texas is just going to pull away. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma, it is on to their second biggest rivalry. Uh, as it is Bedlam. It is Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma is coming off of an upset loss to Kansas. Uh, this is o Oklahoma State's biggest game of the year. They always come in tough for it. They are a one-loss team. Uh, their one loss, strangely enough, if you look at their schedules, to South Alabama. So that came out of nowhere. Uh, talking about a team that does it differently than most uh, Big 12 teams, even most Oklahoma State teams, because I always think about them as the spread offense, just to throw it all around. It always feels like they have a quarterback with big numbers. Their uh, starting quarterback is Alex Bowman, who I remember years ago as a starter for Texas Tech, and he was the backup at Michigan for two years. So I didn't even realize he was still eligible. He only has eight touchdowns and five and five interceptions of the year. Uh, Tech Oklahoma State gets most of their touchdowns from Ollie Gordon. He has 10 rushing touchdowns of the year. Now, that being said, the one thing that is going to be worth watching is Oklahoma State has two very good pass rushers in Nicholas Martin and Colin Oliver, who have combined for nine sacks so far. Uh, from what I've seen, Texas, uh, Oklahoma's offensive line is a little shaky. Uh, Dylan Gabriel does a good job of making up for that. Uh, I do think Oklahoma's going to win. I just think they're more talented. Uh, I do think, similar to the Kansas State-Texas game, this will be a close game but i think it's going uh, for the first half i actually think this will be close going into the fourth quarter but i think oklahoma pulls away just because oklahoma state does not have a quarterback that they that they can trust yeah i think oklahoma state is a team you can look at and say they've improved a lot since early in the year i remember that they were a team early in the year that i watched and and thought they were going to go through a lot of struggles this year and they've they've started to come along as of late um i don't think they're going to have enough to beat oklahoma um, I think a lot like what I said about Texas, uh, Oklahoma, after losing that game to Kansas last week, I think they're going to use that as a wake-up call. Um, they almost lost to UCF. They lost to Kansas. Um, and if they want to stay in this thing and have a chance at uh, a good postseason, I think they're going to know they need to turn it on now. Um, they're Obviously, their playoff chances are probably gone um, after that loss to Kansas, but um, at least winning a conference title is still in the, t in the picture. So I think Oklahoma wins. I think Dylan Gabriel has a big game. Um, I think, like you said, I, I don't think Oklahoma State keeps it close for three quarters. Um, I think they maybe keep it close for a half. Um, Oklahoma will come out in the second half, and the Sooners will win. Uh, next game is another rivalry game. It is LSU-Alabama. Uh, so 
Jordan, we've talked about how good LSU's offense has been. I didn't realize how good they've been. They have scored over 40 points in six of their last seven games. Um, I think the la- three of the last four have been over 40, including a 60-plus point win over Army last weekend or their last game. Uh, Bama is figuring out their offense. I know they were struggling to run the ball earlier. I know they were struggling to find a quarterback earlier, but they seem to have everything figured out. Um, they're starting to run on teams and get six, seven yards every play, especially in the second half. They are coming off of three uh, close wins, including a come-from-behind win against Tennessee. It is a big game. I am a big fan of Jaden Daniels. I would honestly say if we were talking Heisman candidates, I think at this point you still have to put him in the top five. Malik Neighbors is, in my opinion, the number two or three wide receiver in this draft class. I just think in a game like this, you go with who has the coaching advantage. And I have a hard time picking Brian Kelly over Nick Saban. So I think Bama wins on a field goal. So it's funny because originally when I was looking at this, you know, and the people that listen that have listened to my picks and followed my picks probably know I've been supporting Alabama. Um, ever since they lost, and over the last couple of weeks, I've gone along with them. Um, but if they fall behind against this LSU team, uh, I think they're in a lot of trouble. I think they're in a lot of trouble. Um, and I think that I'm going to kind of spoil something I'm going to talk about later. Um, I think Jaden Daniels is very underrated. Um, I think that you look at a guy that already, I mean, through eight games, has 2,600 yards, 25 touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, I think people kind of wrote off LSU um, early in the season because of their loss to Florida State. And if you you went along with our picks, I don't know if you remember, Brett, but I kept saying for a couple weeks, I picked Missouri against LSU. I picked Mississippi State against LSU. I picked Ole Miss against LSU. And in all those games, I said the thing that scared me about LSU is that I thought the other team was going to have more motivation than LSU. I think LSU is going to have just as much motivation going into this game um, as Alabama. I think LSU has the better quarterback. I think LSU has the better offense. I think LSU has the better offensive line. Um, And I think the LSU defensive line is going to play very well against the Alabama offensive line. Um, Mason Smith was a guy I talked about that I loved for the Dolphins in the draft. Um, I think LSU wins this game by six. Wow. I actually thought we were going to agree on everything this week. Uh, But something I've asked you before, do you think it is time for us to start talking about Jaden Daniels, maybe not at the same level we talk about someone like Caleb Williams and Michael Penix in the draft or uh, Drake May in the draft, but maybe on the Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix level? Do you think he's someone we should really start looking at saying this is a first-round candidate at quarterback? Well, I, I think what's going to end up happening, and, and you told me before when we were talking about what we are going to talk about today, to come up with a player um, or two that you felt nobody's really talking about as first-round picks that are going to be first-round picks. And Jaden Daniels is actually one of the two names that I have written down here. Um, I think that when you look at a guy like Jaden Daniels, uh, when he goes, and again, remember we talked about we think Shador Sanders is going to go back to school. Um, we think Quinn Ewers is going to go back to school. Um, I I can't see a team looking at this. 
Uh, Jaden Daniels is going to be taller than Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and J.J. McCarthy. Uh, Jaden Daniels is probably going to be faster than Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and J.J. McCarthy. Um, Jaden Daniels, probably when scouts go watch RPOs, when scouts go watch his really quick game, if you can gear an offense, and remember, that's an offense a lot like what the Dolphins are running right now, a lot of quick game stuff. Quick game doesn't mean short. Quick game doesn't mean dink and dunk. Okay? Quick game and stuff. I mean, the great thing about the Dolphins having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is quick game, you can get back and throw a go route. You can get back and throw the ball quickly to Tyreek Hill, and he's getting 40, 50 yards quickly. Um, I think if you can gear an offense to get the ball out of Jaden Daniels' hands quickly, I could see him as arguably a top three to four quarterback in this draft um, and somebody that I wouldn't be tar- terribly surprised to see go at the end of a first round, especially once you put him um, at um, New York City for the Heisman ceremony. Mm, we'll keep that. We will keep that in mind as one of the players you mentioned for a later segment. Uh, but in talking about picks, there was one game I skipped because uh, that was actually the uh, final of the four games I had listed. But this one actually not only has Pac-12 implications, but potentially playoff implications as we have Washington going up against USC. Now, Jordan, I know you were always on USC all all year. That's changed a bit, and like I know they've lost two games. To me, the issue isn't as much the losses they had, but it's the other two games they've had in the last month. They lost in overtime to a mediocre Arizona team. They should have lost to a mediocre at best Cal team. This USC team plays no defense. To even say they play no defense is being kind. This is, for to make a cross-sports reference, this is like Mike D'Antoni's um, Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash at point guard. It's just get up and down as quick as you can and just outscore everybody. Washington, we've talked about how much we love Michael Penix. It's just a much more rounded team, They and they don't need Penix to carry them. They also have a defense loaded with prospects. I believe this game is at the Rose Bowl, but I don't think it matters. I just think Washington is a deeper team, better coach team, just a more complete team. So I think it's going to be Washington, and I think it's going to be a three-touchdown win. So you're right. <laughs> like, Yeah, you're right. Um, I think that the reason um, Washington's going to come into this very this game very motivated is threefold. I think, first of all, anytime Washington goes to USC – um, I think they're very motivated. I think the the tier of player um, that Washington's recruiting um, as of late um, have been right at the level of USC. Um, but I think if you're a team out West, you always love the opportunity um, to stick it to USC. The other reason is uh, that Washington is ranked fifth right now um, in the college football playoff rankings. I think Washington is going to take offense to that. Uh, I think Washington is going to come out and say, I mean, you put Ohio State one, um, you put Florida State, Michigan, and Georgia all in that top four. Um, we're just as good, if not better, than those teams. Um, we deserve to be ranked um, in that top four. And I think that especially a team that is right outside of that top four 
um, while you have this shortened playoff, I think is going to really take it personally. Um, I don't. I think if Washington is up a couple scores, they're going to try to run the score up on USC. If USC's defense is going to fold like I expect them to do, Washington's going to score a ton of points. I think Washington wins this game by two scores. I think it's only two scores because Caleb Williams will probably score a couple times. Um, but I think Washington has the opportunity to make this game very, very ugly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. And we'll get on to the uh, playoff in a little bit. Uh, but let's get our wild card done first. Jordan, I am very excited because in the next couple weeks, I think we finally get to start talking about Michigan and our picks because they actually are starting to play some good teams. Not this weekend, though. They're playing a really bad Purdue team. So we're not going to I'm not going to talk about them in my wild card. Um, I'm going to pick a random game, and it's Boston College versus Syracuse. Uh, now, why am I picking this? Or two? For, for one, Boston College is a two-point dog, but also a win for Boston College gets them bowl eligible. And for a team that just is coming off of a three and nine season, that's pretty significant. And it's also two teams going in opposite directions. We, we've talked about our love for Dino Babers, the Syracuse coach before they are on a four game losing streak. They have scored 10 points or less in three straight games, which for a Dino Babers coach team is very shocking. It's gotten bad enough to the point where if Syracuse doesn't make a bowl game, I think potentially Babers has gone from a coach that we could, we could have seen getting a bigger job to actually losing his job at Syracuse. Now, Boston college, they are on a four-game winning streak. I remember earlier this season, they almost upset Florida State. Um, they have Tommy Castellanos at quarterback. Him and Kai Robichaux have 15 rushing touchdowns between them. Uh, Castellanos also has 11 pass touchdowns, uh, which is an improvement from what they had last year. So they're improving. Jeff Halfley is a guy who's actually another coach who's considered a rising candidate. Uh, something a lot of people don't realize is he was actually the favorite to replace Jim Harbaugh if Harbaugh would have left for the NFL two years ago. So I've always kind of kept an eye on Halfley. He's also a former Ohio State defensive coordinator, uh, which would have been sickening as a Michigan fan. Uh, but because this does have bowl implications for a team that is not used to going to bowl games, and even before the three and nine season, uh, we're six and five in 2020 and missed a bowl game or didn't go to a bowl game. And then we're six and six in 2021. This would be only their second bowl game in four years or yeah, four years, excuse me. So I am going to pick Boston college as the wild card to get a team that is not used to going to bowl games, bowl eligible and a team that I do think is on the rise in an area that is football crazy. So you made me very happy because you mentioned former UCF recruit, um, and backup quarterback for a year, Tommy Castellanos. Um, I'm going to first take a moment um, to go back to my statement from a couple weeks ago. Um, I know it's going to cost UCF a lot of money. I think they just ex- I know they just extended him, um, but I think it's time to fire Gus Malzahn. Um, I think they should bring back Scott Frost. I think they, they should hire G.J. Kinney, who I know you talked about a little bit last week. Um, I think there are better directions. Um, that can bring UCF back to what it was a couple years ago. Um, and, and the part about UCF, it wasn't just the high-tempo offense. It wasn't just that the coaching is horrible. Um, it doesn't seem like they're having a lot of fun. 
I mean, I want to bring in a coach who's going to bring back that fun. Um, so I hope Gus Malzahn gets fired from UCF. Um, staying on the UCF theme, um, I'm going to pick a, another former uh, UCF quarterback, that being Fresno State and quarterback Mikey Keene. Fresno State is playing at home against Boise State, um, which is obviously a rivalry game. Um, Fresno State is 7-1. and one. Their only loss, obviously respectable. I'm losing by five at Wyoming. It's always tough to play at Wyoming. Um, I think that Fresno State is on a collision course to play Air Force in the Mountain West title game. I think that's going to be a great game. Um, I think Fresno State sees an opportunity at home against a good Boise State team. They're only four and four, um, but they're three and one in conference, so they can make that title game too. Fresno State just beat UNLV last week, so they have the tiebreaker on UNLV. Uh, they have an opportunity to get the tiebreaker on the two teams that are right there with them. Um, this is their second-to-last home game of the season. They play at San Jose State and at San Diego State, um, along with home against New Mexico uh, to finish the season. I like Fresno State a lot. Um, I bet on them early in the year at Purdue. I bet on them early in the year at Arizona State. Um, I think that this is a team that really can make a run um, to win a conference championship game and upset a team like Air Force. Um, I'm not sure who I'd pick in that game yet, but I assume that the line, uh, with the line, a lot of people are going to pick Air Force. And I wouldn't be surprised if Fresno State is one of those sneaky teams that ends up winning a conference. Um, so I think that starts this week. I think Mikey Keene has a very, very good game. Um, and Fresno State beats Boise State and covers the three-point spread. So just to recap, we both picked Texas over Kansas State. We both picked Oklahoma to win Bedlam against Oklahoma State. We both picked Washington. I picked Alabama to beat LSU. You picked LSU. My wild card is Boston College over Syracuse. And your wild card is Fresno State over Boise State. So there are some interesting games. But like I said, that's that's basically it for the, for the slate. Uh, there are a couple other games that could be interesting or could be blowouts. I don't really think it's an in-between there. Um, now, before we get into the draft prospects that we mentioned, uh, yesterday was the uh, first four choice uh playoff show where they announced the top four teams but um and this ends up being ohio state number one georgia two michigan three and effort florida state four a lot of people think because i'm a michigan fan i'd be upset with ohio state being number one so i got a couple things to say about that first i'm not like here's they have the best win they have the best yeah, win. That's what I was going to say. They have the best two wins, I would argue. They yeah. they beat Penn State, and they beat Notre Dame. Well, Michigan, if you want to talk I, about great wins, I think Washington has an argument to be in there, beating Oregon. Yeah. No, I do think Washington the, – the biggest thing is you could say, why isn't Washington in the top four? Do I think Michigan is better than Ohio State? We will have a chance to prove that. Last week of the season, my birthday. I'm also going to throw that out there. Um, but we got to send Brad a gift. You now know when his birthday is. Yep. November 25th, baby. But, uh, that's the last game. And that, in my honest opinion, will decide which of the two teams goes. Well, first it'll be the big 10 championship, but more likely who goes to the playoff. Now I'm not overlooking Penn state. I was disappointed with how they looked against Ohio state. I think you were too. Cause we both talked, we both have talked about Penn state a lot, especially going into next year. But going into Happy Valley, 
next week is always going to be tough. So Michigan could realistically lose there too. But looking at Michigan's schedule, we really haven't played anybody. Georgia, they've been the best team the last two years. They don't look the same. So while I don't think Ohio State's looked convincing, they got the best two wins of the teams in the top four. And like you said, the one t- the one thing you can maybe argue is Washington should be there over. I I hate to say over Florida State because Florida State's look good, but the one thing you can say is Florida State looked bad against Boston College, whereas Washington's looked like a machine all year. But yeah, the final the the four they picked, I'm fine with. Like, and it's also the first time it'll be it'll all work itself out at the end of the season. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that. Ohio State and Michigan, I don't think it matters where they're ranked right now because they play each other. Um, and it's almost a detriment because that's essentially a quarterfinal game um, because the winner of that game is going to get in. Um, I think that you, can, you the way they did it, I think, was a little inconsistent. Um, if you're going to do it based off of the best win and Ohio State gets in because they have the best win, well, Georgia's beaten – UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida. I mean, Ohio State has a lot better wins than that. Um, I think Ohio State has Notre Dame they won, Penn State they won already. I think those have to count for something. That's right. But Florida State beat LSU. Washington beat Oregon. Just like I'm talking about Georgia, I'm sorry, but your Michigan guys have only beaten ECU, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State. They haven't played anybody. Yeah. Looking played- at that schedule right now, you would probably say Rutgers or Minnesota are the best teams. So I, I think that if you're going to put Ohio State one, I'm sorry, Brett, but I think you almost have to put Michigan five. And Which is fine. The numbers don't matter. Because, like I said, they're going to play each other. So the numbers don't matter. But if you're going to set the precedent that you're ranking them based off of their best wins, then it probably should be Ohio State 1, Washington 2, Florida State 3, Georgia 4, Michigan 5. That's how I would have done it based off of that. Um, Based off the eye test, probably would have had a whole other 5. Um, but I would have gone again, um, Ohio State 1, Washington 2, Florida State 3, um, Georgia 4, and Michigan 5. Yeah, and it's, um, like I said, it's so early, but it, it'll always work itself out. It'll work itself out. Like, I said, like you said, Michigan-Ohio State is basically going to be a quarterfinal game. Whoever wins that is winning the Big Ten. Uh, sorry, for those who don't know, just look at the division, the side of the bracket, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are in. Look at the other side you're looking at probably Iowa, Minnesota, or Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. They, Ohio State or Michigan are winning the Big Ten title, so that's all you got to worry about. But um, on to the draft prospect prospects. And uh, you did kind of spoil it earlier. We did talk about it, and I apologize for that. But one of the prospects you mentioned that we do think is a first-round pick that people don't really talk about, you mentioned Jaden Daniels. You said you had a couple other names. Who else did you have? as uh, potential candidates for the first round that we really haven't heard a lot about. So really I had one name. I I said before I had two, so I have one other name written down here um, that I think uh, is going to be a first round pick. And and I tried to base this off of two different things. Um, I tried to look at a couple different rankings lists 
um, and take people that were outside, let's say the top 35 or 40. Um, and then I went to Mr. S's first mock draft, really that we all collaborated on, but he um, put it together behind the scenes and tried to find a player um, that was outside of his first round. And if you're um, listening to this and you don't know, we have the list podcast or listpodcast.com listpodcast.com and you can see Mr. S's first mock draft right at the top of the screen there it says NFL mock draft so um, a lot of work was put into that so check that out so two players that weren't in Mr. S's first round one I told you already Jaden Daniels Um, I think he's going to continue to build Heisman buzz um, especially if a team like Washington loses Um, that'll give him a little more um, and I think once you start looking at the film, I mean, you have a couple, a little bit of time off before the Heisman ceremony. I think his stock will begin to rise. I think the other name that I love um, is a wide receiver for Florida State, Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson is six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-five pounds, um, and is projected to run a four-four-three forty um, at the combine. Um, right now, uh, he is ranked just around. Um, the 10th best receiver, 11th best receiver um, I see in different places um, for his rankings as far as just simply wide receivers go. Um, but I think when we come around draft time, especially when you start looking late in the first round and what good teams, what weapons good teams can add, uh, I think Johnny Wilson is a guy. There are a ton of fast guys in this draft. There are a ton of guys that can run routes. Uh, I think the opportunity to get, especially in a relatively weak tight end class, I think being able to get a pretty damn good receiver that's six seven two close to two forty um, that is playing on a team that's having a lot of success. He's the the second receiver on a team along with Keon Coleman, who's going to be probably a top ten pick at this point. Um, I think Johnny Wilson is an under the radar guy um, that if you've watched Florida State. You're like, oh, duh, he's going to be a first-round pick. But I think if you're a guy that just casually follows college football um, and covers the draft, I think Johnny Wilson's a guy in a deep receiver class you might forget about. Um, I think come draft time, he'll be a lock to be a top 25 pick. I do like that shout. Um, I kind of went more with someone who is going to rise because of needs. Um, I'm starting to see his name a little bit more borderline first uh, but I think someone who is very underrated right now is the Oregon State offensive lineman Talis Fuaga he is more of a road grader he's played both left and right tackle mostly a right tackle so I think this is someone that you could actually see us targeting especially if we're unable to re-sign Austin Jackson he's going to be available in that time frame so far this year he has only give up given up three hurries zero hits and zero sacks while playing right tackle. And Oregon State does play a very similar West Coast offense to what we do and what a lot of teams are going to. So I would not be shocked if Talese Waga rises up the boards. He's definitely someone to keep an eye on, in my opinion. I mean, like we've said multiple times, as we get closer to draft, as the season ends, we are going to look more into those players. Maybe we can even... uh, if you want to, as we get close to award season, we could even do award predictions and not just the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I think we're going to get to a point where we're running out of games to pick. So, yeah, um, I, I think that, yeah, we're going to get into some different stuff. Okay, now going into the NFL, uh, you and I both uh, went 4-1 uh, and one last week. Uh, I got the Steelers wrong. You got the Giants wrong. Um, 
I'm actually leading, according to Mr. S, 27-13, while you are at 25-15. and 15. So both of us are really close to each other right now. And again, we got some interesting games on Slate. Um, if anybody wants to know why I picked these games, I honestly don't know. <laughs> but uh, I think it was just to try and talk about some teams we haven't talked about as much. And even with that, I've kind of failed. But uh, the first game I have for us to pick is Brett, the Vikings. Hold on a second. Can we all just take a moment to remember that Chan Gailey used to coach the Miami Dolphins offense? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Zach, Jackson Hi, Zach. Bringing, <laughs> Zach Jackson bringing up the bad memories. Uh, I'd probably take Chan Gailey over uh, Godsey as offensive coordinator, though. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody sent me a text today, um, and this is all the text said. You ready? Uh, Vic Fangio, Mike McDaniel, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert, Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Damn, we're lucky. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, when most people are like, yeah, we're really good right now, um, I have moments a lot like Zach just had. Um, where I remember a guy like Chan Gailey coached the Dolphins. I remember a guy like uh, Cam Cameron coached the Dolphins. Uh, I remember guys like Chris Forster. Um, I remember crazy situations that have happened. Um, I remember Camarillo's catch against the Ravens, um, which which felt like for a span of five or six years was the happiest moment as a Dolphin fan was our one win in a season. Um, I remember going to Dolphin games, chanting suck for luck. And then we weren't bad enough to get Andrew Luck. Um, and it felt like we were living for so long. And we weren't bad enough to get the worst guy, um, but we were never going to be good. So yeah. um, as we go into picking the NFL, I just, I just hope the Dolphin fans um, appreciate what's going on right now. And that's actually a, an interesting segue. Speaking of two teams that may be at that point right now where they're not bad enough to get the best guy, but they're not going to be good. Minnesota Vikings versus the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, both have had a QB change for different reasons. Atlanta basically gave the keys to the car to Desmond Ritter, and he he fumbled the bag. No way to put it. No way else to put it. And uh, Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. I remember seeing the replay, and you just see his leg bounce up like that, so you knew right away it was an Achilles tear. And they traded for Josh Dobbs. And Jordan, you're going to have to explain to me how, when everybody and their mother decided to trade for Josh Dobbs this season. First, you had the Cardinals do it, and they started them, and now you have the Vikings doing it to change to to save their season. I didn't even think Josh Dobbs was a good backup quarterback. Now people are trading it for him to be their starter to save seasons. What is up with that? Well, I think that you just run out of um, quarterbacks, and I think when you when you have a quarterback uh, that goes down. You want to you want to get a quarterback that has at least a little bit of experience starting that season. Um, I like Jaron Hall. I don't think he's ready to be an NFL starter. I mean, I think the Vikings see an opportunity. They're rolling a little bit. They have an opportunity um, to make a little bit of noise um, and potentially fight for a late playoff spot. Um, I don't know if I would have loved um, the idea of getting Josh Dobbs. I think that um, I don't know what Tannehill's injuries like, um, but I I think that that would have been a guy that they might have. Um, been able to get if he was able to come back, um, especially with Will Levis um, looking like he's going to be the starter for at least the rest of the season for Tennessee. Um, but looking at this game specifically, 
Um, Dobbs isn't going to play. Um, I believe Heineke, right, is starting for Atlanta. Is that yep. is he confirmed starting? Yep, Taylor Heineke starting for Atlanta. Um, so the Green Lizard is going to be starting for Atlanta. Uh, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, I think they're going to get back to kind of what made them um, the team that they are. Um, the Vikings are three and one on the road. Atlanta's three and one at home. Um, I don't know uh, if Atlanta covers their four and a half point favorites. I think that game could be. Atlanta just doesn't come off as a team to me that blows anybody out. Yeah. Um, so I think the game, they might be up 10 or 11 and the Vikings score late. Um, but I think not having um, Kirk Cousins, I think not having Justin Jefferson, I think trading Ezra Cleveland, I think missing a lot of pieces. This team is beaten down. Um, Kevin O'Connell's not a guy that I think is going to lose his job. I mean, they're four and four with all these issues I just stated. Um, but I don't think this is a game they win. I think the Falcons win at home. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Falcons are going to win. Uh, Heineke, he's the thing I've learned is he'll he'll take chances when he needs to, which a lot of quarterbacks who are backups don't. And, but he's also not going to take unnecessary chances. He's going to put them in situations to win. Uh, the Vikings last year they were getting all the breaks that everybody's like this evens himself out there, not a playoff team. This year it's gone. It's not even even out. It went completely the other way. Where now it's like it is. The numbers are just completely skewed. So they're also not as bad as some of the losses they've had. Uh, but the fact that they don't really have a starting quarterback this week and with the injuries, I think the Falcons are winning as well. So just plain and simple there. And then we're going to go to this another matchup that has not, a, not just one bird-related team, but two, the Seattle Seahawks versus the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Seahawks course made the move for Leonard Williams this week which it turns out the Giants ate most of the salary so it was basically buying a second round pick so good move for both teams um, people keep talking about how awesome the Ravens are and they are a two-loss team they have the same record as us Jordan I don't know how I say this every week I feel like but I don't know how much of the Ravens you've watched but they just don't look that impressive to me it just feels like they are getting away with bad teams making mistakes and they just eventually wear out the opponent with a better off because of a better offensive line and a run game. Lamar is looking at like a decent throwing quarterback this year for the first time in a while, but it still feels like, especially in the red zone, it they go as Mark Andrews goes. I am picking the Ravens just because looking at Seattle, they have a weird, a different situation from what I've seen where it seems like they're a 20 to 20 team between the twenties. They have no problem running, moving the ball, whether it's running, passing, doing whatever. But unless they're within the 10 where they can just hand the ball to Cade, to Kenneth Walker, it feels like they're struggling and they are settling for field goals too much. That's just the perception I get from all the games I've seen. But I think the Ravens are going to win because it feels like once they get into the red zone, they are the better team. Yeah, I've actually watched a decent amount of Raven football, and I, I actually – kind of feel a little bit of the opposite than you. Um, I don't think that they're um, – I do think they're underperforming, but I think the pieces are there. Um, I said on our show earlier in the week uh, that I – the Ravens are the team that scare me the most um, having to play heading into the playoffs. I think they have an elite defense. I think their defense is, if not the best in the league right now, they're in the top three for me. Um, I think that Lamar, yeah, he doesn't throw a ton of touchdowns, 
Um, but he's not th- making many mistakes um, in games they win. I think their receiving core is deeper than people understand. Um, I think Zay Flowers has been great for them as a rookie. Um, I think OBJ has been battling some injuries, but when he plays, uh, he's not who he was, but I mean, he's not a, a bad receiver. Um, and then you have guys like Rashad Bateman. You have guys like Devin Duvernay. Nelson Aguilar has been playing, playing pretty well. Um, obviously, J.K. Dobbins got hurt like he seemingly does every year. But I think Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell, um, coming back now, Keaton Mitchell, um, who I know they love in Baltimore and think he's probably the fastest player on a pretty fast team. Um, I think it's a defense or an offense that's on the ascend. Um, a lot like I talk about, I think the Dolphins' offense is going to be get better even as we move forward. Um, I think the Ravens are going to get better as they move forward. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Lamar to win a playoff game. I don't think he's won one yet. Um, so I think that it's going to be tough because he's going to have to go against um, another top-tier quarterback. Um, but I think they have a team built around him that is capable of doing so. Um, so I'm going to pick the Ravens to win by two scores. On to a rivalry game as we got the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Jordan, this is the second. This happens every year. The Cowboys start out good. Their fans get really cocky. They get humbled. They take the humbling on national television. They get hot again, and their fans get cocky again. What makes it even worse is I live in Philly, and I got to deal with cocky. Well, I live close to Philly, about two hours, but still in the Philly market. So I got to deal with the cocky Philly fans Locally, you got the cocky Dallas fans on national television. They are headlined by Skip Bayless, which makes it even better sarcasm. But I think Dallas, as good as they've looked, I think Philly's the better team. Now, Dallas has the better defense, I think. And as we saw, Jalen Hurts is going to give you chances to get turnovers. And I believe the one Dallas corner is close to setting the record for most pick sixes in a season. So there are going to be opportunities for the defense to score. Micah Parsons is – don't know if the sacks are there or where they want it to be, but he is winning consistently in his matchups. As I mentioned on Monday's show, he is in the top four for uh, wins against an offensive lineman when when uh, rushing the passer. But Philly's just a better coach team. I am not a fan of Mike McCarthy very much. Like when we talk about Bill Belichick and the Patriots, I feel like the – the uh, Cowboys offense is too reliant on talent and they are still way too reliant on CD lamb in the passing game. They are starting to get the tight ends a little more involved in the red zone, but Tony Pollard's not to level. He was when he was the complimentary back to Zeke. And I think Sean Desai, who is a big Fangio disciple is a very smart defensive coordinator who will bracket and take away CD lamb. And I think Dallas has shown when they cannot get to CD lamb or the tight ends in the red zone that they really struggle they've gone we've said in the past they've gone from one of the most uh efficient red zone teams to one of the least efficient so i think that the eagles are going to win this game uh i agree and i think we're going to be pretty um in agreement here uh, moving forward i don't know about the next one but um, so far we've been kind of on the same page um, whether that's fun or not i don't know but we've been on the same page um i think a lot like what you said Philly's better coached. Um, Philly's on a roll right now. This is their last game heading into their bye week. I think there's going to be an opportunity for them to give their all, then reset and come back at Kansas City after the bye. Um, I think Philly wins this game. I think these teams are close in talent. 
Um, I think this is the type of thing where Philly is going to win this time um, or and Dallas is going to win next time or Dallas will win this time and Philly will win next time. Um, I think these teams are close in talent. Um, but I think right now Philly just has a little more big game experience and a little more um, big game success. Um, I think both these teams, um, Dallas trying to catch them in the division, uh, I think you're going to see this as a big game. But I think Philly is just a little too much to handle. Um, I think Washington obviously played the Eagles well. They played them well twice. The Eagles don't really blow anybody out this season. So I don't think they win by, let's say, three scores. I think there's a close game. I think there's a lower scoring game than people think. And I think the Eagles win with a late field goal to pull away. And then the uh, final game before we get to the Dolphins-Chiefs. The main event, we actually have the Bills versus the Bengals. For a couple weeks, I've been saying I don't think the Bengals have really figured it out. I think they've been taking advantage of a weaker schedule. But I've changed my tune on that. I think you are seeing Joe Burrow is getting healthier. And I actually think offensively they're doing something I haven't seen a lot from Zach Taylor coach team where they're actually out-scheming the defense rather than just relying on talent. Um. I'm actually picking the Bengals to win this game. And it's not just the Bengals looking good, but Buffalo and a lot of its injuries just hasn't impressed me the last couple of weeks. They're lucky to have gone two and one the last three weeks. They could have easily gone 0 and three or one and two. They are becoming way too reliant on Josh Allen being Superman. I think a lot of that, like I said, is because of defensive injuries. The offensive line is regressing a bit. And the one thing I've noticed from Ken Dorsey is he goes away from the running game with with the backs. James Cook seems to be having a good year, seems to be averaging really well, but they always seem to go away, go away from him in the second half of games. And I think that's causing Josh Allen to get beat up a lot too. And he's at this point now where if he's not perfect, the Bills are going to start dropping games. And because they dropped a game to the Patriots, that margin for error is a lot smaller than it normally would be. So I just think it's a case of one team feeling better than the other. So I'm going with the Bengals. This game's interesting for me because I've been on the Bengals for the last couple of weeks and I've been off the bills for the last couple of weeks. Um, I love talking about the motivation factor in games because I find it fascinating. I think the bills are actually going to be the more motivated team going into this game. Uh, the bills um, are sitting at five and three. Um, the Bengals are coming again off three straight wins uh, against the NFC West. Back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back weeks, they played the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the 49ers. Two of those on the road. They went out West twice um, and won two games on the West Coast. Um, now, coming back at home, a nighttime game, Buffalo coming into town. Um, I think that they're in a position where they could lose this game. I think that Buffalo uh, has a lot of motivation after losing to them in the playoffs last year. Um, I think Buffalo comes into this game. They're able to throw the ball on the Bengals' defense. I think Josh Allen has a good game. I think it's close. I think Burrow plays well. Um, I like the Bills' defense to get a couple sacks, um, especially late. I think the Bills win the game by six. Okay. So, yeah. So, we have – Pretty much agreed on everything but the last game where I'm picking the Bengals, you're picking Bills. We both went Eagles, Ravens, and Falcons for the other games. But we all know what y'all care about. It's the Germany game. It is 
Dolphins versus Kansas City. This is going to be a semi-deep dive, I think. Because uh, I'm inter- there's a lot of things I'm interested about this game. Uh, the first thing, Jordan, is the approach the two teams took to getting to Germany. The Dolphins left on Monday. They got there. They said they wanted to take their off day to sightsee, but also, I'm guessing, to adjust. And if I'm not mistaken, I forget if Kansas City – Kansas City practiced at home this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes. I forget if they're leaving. I think they left today. They might be leaving tomorrow, but I think I it's think they're leaving tomorrow, if I remember tomorrow. correctly. Yeah. So they made the same mistake I think the Bills made where – they're going too late. I'm sure for anybody who hasn't traveled internationally, you need that time to adjust. And it takes more than a day. Uh, so you realistically need a little bit more time. I think waiting later in the week is going to be a bit too much for the for Kansas City. Uh, the other thing that I'm interested in is I feel like Kansas City right now is relying on reputation. Now, admittedly, they're one of these teams at this point where they just want to get to the playoffs. But, Jordan, I'm going to read you the scores this year for Kansas City. They lost 21-20 to to the to the Lions. It's one, funny. Hold on, Brett. You're about to do this, and it's really funny because I just looked at what you're about to read. And I want you to read it so that the people could hear. Um, but I literally just did what you're about to do and was going to do it back to you when you finished. So continue. Yeah. So, a 21-20, they lost to the Lions. Beat the Jaguars 17-9. Beat the Bears 41-10. Beat the Jets 23-20. Beat the Vikings 27-20. Beat the Broncos 19-8. Beat the Chargers 31-17. And lost to the Broncos 24-9. Aside from the Bears game... And I guess we can say 31's an offensive explosion. So the Chargers game, the Chiefs aren't scoring right now. They like, I saw it this year. Like last year, they were able to get away without Cheetah because they had Juju Smith Schuster and Marcus Valdez Scantling having a decent year. Juju's gone. Valdez Scantling has been pretty invisible. Uh, it got to the point where they went back and traded to re- reacquire Miko Hardman. Now, I do like. The rookie wide receiver rice, but he's not as involved as I think they'd like. Uh, Scott Moore hasn't taken the jump I think they were expecting, but the offense right now is all Chris Kel or Chris Travis Kelsey and the occasional Isaiah Pacheco. It's very one dimensional. It's relying on key like timely plays, and we have a defense that is starting to get going, starting to figure things out itself. And I think our defense matches up very well against the Kansas City offense, especially with Holland off of out of concussion protocol and David Long playing his level. Now, and Deshaun Elliott too. Deshaun Elliott is someone I don't think we talk enough about. Now, Brandon Jones is, has, didn't travel with the team because he's in concussion protocol, but I like our safeties against Kelsey and their wide receivers don't scare me enough to take advantage of Eli Apple. So that's where I'm getting at there. They are winning off of their defense. Chris Jones against our interior, especially if we have any backups, whether it is Lester Cotton, Robert Jones, or Liam Eichenberg in, is going to be a little scary. I think it, it sounds like Connor Williams is going to play. Armstead is coaching or practicing this week. I don't think they're going to rush him. 
And the one thing Kansas City does have is not only do they have Chris Jones, they have George Karloftis and Mike Dana. So they're getting good production from their defensive line. Nick Bolton, last I saw, has is banged up. Willie Gay's banged up. So in the second level, it's not the same. Their secondary can be taken advantage of. I think this is a game you're going to see us recommit to the run as well. I actually feel better about this game than I did the Eagles game or I did with the Bills game. So I'm picking us to win, and I think it's going to be, I will say, 34-21. So our scores are actually very close. Um, So I'm going to first, before I go through uh, my little breakdown of the game, um, I'm going to take you in a time machine, Brett. I'm taking you in a time machine uh, to December 13th, 2020. It is 12 1320. Do you know what December 13th, 2020 was? I believe that was the first time Tua went up against Patrick Mahomes. Is that correct? It is. It's the it's the first time Tua and Mahomes played each other. Um, and I'm gonna read you first the players that ran the ball for the Miami Dolphins out of the backfield. Uh, you have DeAndre Washington, who came from the Chiefs a month and nine days earlier. Had 13 carries for 35 yards. You had Tua with six carries for 24 yards and a touchdown. And then you have Patrick Laird and Lynn Bowden Jr. added a carry. Thrilling stuff, huh? Now, here are the players that Tua targeted with a pass. Are you ready? I am. Antonio Callaway, Devontae Parker, Patrick Laird, Malcolm Perry, DeAndre Washington, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, Jakeem Grant, Mike Kosicki, Mac Hollins, Lynn Bowden Jr. Yeah, it's a bunch of all-stars. Uh, if I would have told you on that day that the only two players to the offense remaining were going to be Tua Tungavailoa and Durham Smythe, what would you say? I would have guessed Tua. I don't know if I would have guessed Durham Smythe would still be here. Or that he's Full developed circle. into what he has. Um, in that game, in case you were wondering, uh, Tyreek Hill had three catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he also had a rushing touchdown. I, I, if I remember correctly, he, had a uh, he did touchdown. have a 30. He did also have a 32-yard rushing touchdown. Yeah, if I remember, those are two plays we brought uh, Clayton Fredulum in at safety, and both plays uh, Cheetah just burned him. What a name! Um, so I'm going to give you three more statistics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. The Broncos three weeks ago. Now remember, the Broncos played the Chiefs twice in the last three weeks, um, and the Chiefs played the Chargers, as you already mentioned. The first time the Broncos played the Chiefs, they ran the ball 23 times for 115 yards. The second time, they're the second game, the Chargers, although they lost, ran the ball 26 times for 139 yards and a touchdown against the Chiefs. Then, last game, um, the Broncos didn't have as much success from a yards per carry standpoint, but they ran the ball 40 times for 153 yards uh, against the Chiefs last week. Take the Chiefs defense facing uh, 40, 67, uh, 88 rushing attempts in the last three weeks, including 40 this past week. Um, and now flying over to another country, 
Um, you're taking the Kansas City offense. Patrick Mahomes apparently had a cold or, or had the flu last week and played through the flu. Um, their, their receiving core outside of Travis Kelsey, as you mentioned, is having trouble finding um, their way. Um, th- yeah, they ran the ball or they run the ball decently well, um, but they haven't over the last couple weeks. Um, I think this is a Kansas City team that is struggling to find themselves right now. Um, I think they're a team that's going to be great coming out of their bye. I think they're really going to have the week off uh, to improve themselves and get healthy um, and reset. I think they're just facing us at the worst possible time. Um, I think that this is a shitty, shitty time uh, for the Chiefs to have to play a team like us uh, who just got Jalen Ramsey back, who needs a big win. Um, I think it's it's a game we do get. Um, I think the Dolphins win 35-23 is what I'm going with. Uh, yeah, we're very close in this. And again, I cannot stress how much I think they're making a mistake going to leaving for Germany so late. I think they're going to they're going to be hurting, especially come Sunday. Um, and of course, anybody who follows us knows these picks don't matter until you see Sebastian make his pick on Sunday of who's going to win. So be on the lookout for that. And to go on with this, Jordan, or to go on to the next topic, Jordan, I told you earlier in this week, I wanted to talk about everybody because Jimmy Garoppolo just got benched. How now it's going viral, everybody was saying the best case scenario for the Dolphins was for Tua to become a Jimmy Garoppolo. Now that quote comes from Mina Kimes, but Jordan's a fan of Mina, so we're not going to put Mina on the list. But our old friend Mike Tannenbaum, it also came out that he made a video or made a statement on ESPN last year saying the best thing the Dolphins could do was sign Jimmy Garoppolo and have him not only compete with Tua for the starting job, but to beat Tua for the starting job. Now, there was a time when Jimmy G was looked at as a quarterback, kind of like Tua, not at this level. But he did lead San Francisco to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Injuries have taken everything he has aside from his looks. So Jimmy could be a better model than Tua, but that's about it. It is funny, though, that he got benched because of poor play. And these takes come up. And also just remind you that Mike Tannebaum is not just a shitty analyst. He was a shitty GM or president of football operations as he was here he almost single-handedly crippled our cap by giving ridiculous contracts in Ngamakan Sue and Andre Branch and making trades like getting Byron Maxwell and he almost single-handedly cost the destroyed the Jets that took them four three or four years to rebuild out of which I'm not going to give him crap for that but Mike Tannenbaum when you're shitty at two jobs and they both directly affect the Miami Dolphins you might be a good guy, but you just made the list. Tannenbaum. Yeah, like, I've heard he's a nice guy, but yeah, he sucks at his job. Both that he had back then and what he has now. Bum. Bum. And I believe, I believe that's, you didn't have anybody want to add, uh, did you, Jordan? No, I was told I couldn't because mine was too outdated. There was some, I think it was a guy, I don't even remember the name now, um, that said that Purdy was better than Tua. I don't even know, unless I could find it here. Oh, 
uh, on Twitter. The name was Bladen, uh, B. Laden, Bladen Kirk, I guess. Uh, Bladen Kirk is a person with 29,000 followers. Um, apparently, he does NFL content for FanDuel. Um, last year, uh, Bladen Kirk said, I've seen enough. Purdy is better than Tua. Bladen, I don't really know who you are. Um, you look like you're a nice person. Um, but you said something very stupid about a year ago. I mean, it looks like Dolphin fans are starting to bring it back. Um, so, Bladen Kirk, uh, I'm sorry. Brett put me on the spot to do it. So, you just made the list. Hey, what, Jordan? Between Bladen Kirk and Theo Ash, I think we're learning that the way for us to just get big is just make very dumb takes so we get the hate likes. But I don't know if I like that like that style. Yeah, maybe we're just giving too plain of takes, and we're not, like, I don't know. Are we supposed to say dumb shit? I, I, I don't feel like I can go down like that. I think we have to keep going the way we're going. Nah, I agree. Of course, as we said, we got more content on listpodcast.com. Jordan gave his breakdown on potential candidates for the Raiders. I just tiered the quarterback situations in the NFL. That is also available on list.com. And as Jordan mentioned earlier, Mr. S has the first – Mock draft of the season before we sign Brad, up. Jordan, it's, not, it's, it's not list.com, it's listpodcast.com. Listpodcast.com said mm-hmm. the first time, not the second time, but I should definitely get that right, especially since I'm one of the people who puts content on that site. Um, yeah, very, but, that would be bright of you, it would be bright of me. Uh, I'm not always the sharpest tool in the shed, though. But uh, <laughs> Jordan, before we sign off, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, Go Dolphins. Uh, Thank you to the people who um, stick with us and listen every week. It's awesome. Um, And I look forward to kind of going on this stretch run after the bye. Um, We're going to have to come up with some new content to talk about during the bye. Um, And I'm excited to see how this weekend goes. It's, I feel better about this game than I did against the, about the Philly game. I did against the Buffalo uh, or going into the Buffalo game. Um, I look for us to have a lot of success. I would be very disappointed um on sunday night when we record or monday when we record if uh if we don't come out of this one with a win i'll be very disappointed no i will too and of course the one thing i do want to remind people don't forget friday night or saturday morning however you want to look at it is also daylight savings time so we actually get an extra hour so don't forget to set your clocks if you if they don't happen automatically but isn't it sunday yeah, that's why I said Saturday night slash Sunday morning. I think it's technically 2 o'clock. I think 2 o'clock Sunday morning, it goes back an hour. I, w- I would love to listen back because I definitely think you said Friday night going into Saturday. I think I said Saturday night or Sunday morning, but whatevs. It's not a list podcast episode without me saying something factually inaccurate or getting a name wrong. So you just got to yeah. roll with it. But as always, for Jordan... For Zach and his Chan Gailey takes, I'm Brett. This is The List. Remember, we are watching. Zach, hit that music.